Welcome to the Cybercast, where we seek to demystify security controls, frameworks, and policies. Each episode is concise and packed with actionable information. Our experts panel showcases Phyllis Lee, Senior Director of Controls for CIS, Ryan Weeks, CISO of Datto, Wes Spencer, CISO of Perch Security, and Brian Blakely, founder of Cosent Cybersecurity. Welcome, everybody, to the third episode of the Cybercast. This week's controls topic is CIS Control 3, Data Protection. As always, our goal is to provide highly useful and actionable information that both MSPs and IT professionals can immediately implement in their or their client's business to make them safer and or grow more revenue. As always, our sponsor, CIS and CSAT Pro, will be talking about that along with Netrix in our post-game segment. Man, I am very fortunate to be amongst some incredible cyber practitioners and professionals. So quick intros. Number one, Josh Franklin filling in for the vacationing Phyllis Lee. Josh, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Great to have you with us. Ryan Weeks, CISO of Data. Ryan, great to have you with us. Aloha, peoples. <laughs> Wes Spencer, CISO of Pert Security. Wes, how are you? Hey, Andrew. Thanks for having me, my friend. Awesome. And then lastly, Brian Blakely, who leads a team of fractional CISOs building security programs in the mid-market. Mr. Blakely, how are you? Doing well, Andrew. Thanks so much for having me and really great to be here today. Yeah. How's that WeWork doing there? Were you <laughs> on the West Coast, I hear? I come out of Phoenix, but went up to, and we're here in Bellevue, Washington for the summer, but it's going to be over 100 degrees here the next couple of days. So I must have brought the Phoenix weather weather with me. Okay. So Mr. Franklin, let's get right on into control three, data protection. You know, I was talking to Brian prior to the show, probably one of the most Obviously critical because we're talking data, but one of the most challenging controls to implement. This is about developing processes and technical controls to identify, classify, securely handle, rate, retain, and then dispose of data properly. So, Josh, there's no standard. Like if you look at NIST as an example, there's no control calling out just quote unquote data protection. So I'm curious, what does it mean to you? Yeah, it's a super reasonable question. You know, as you and I have talked about previously, data protection means different things to different people. Is it about encryption? Is it about digital signatures, authentication, backups? There's basically reasonable arguments for all of these. Many of the technologies I just mentioned can also help preserve privacy, not just cyber security. And in, you know, many cases, breaches of consumer privacy are just as impactful as proprietary methods, you know, in data stores. You know, that basically means private data must be kept safe throughout its whole life cycle, as you know, breaches often have regulatory and financial impacts. So to me, data protection is really about understanding what data your organization owns and is responsible for. Also, the 
you know, regulatory framework that your organization is actually under. When you understand what data you have and the constraints that need to be put around it, defensive mitigations can then be selected out of a nice cybersecurity menu to make sure that data is appropriately stored within your organization. And these mitigations, right, extend out to configuring access control lists, disposing of data, just like what you just said. Uh, You know, it's sort of a hefty, multifaceted control that can really drastically reduce the risk of a data breach. Got it. Yeah, interesting. And, And one of the things that we know with CIS in this version, version eight, Obviously, we went from 20 controls to 18, but then this particular control moved from control 13 to control 3. And I'm curious if you could give us some insight on that. You know, it's not necessarily a controversial move, but uh, a lot of people had a lot of thoughts about it is what I'll say. (laughs) First and foremost, that's, you know, it's because data is what's at stake for many of these attacks. When we hear about breaches, they're talking about data breaches, right? Data is kind of more valuable than oil and it fuels many organizations. You know, many of the baseline cybersecurity recommendations from from all the big cybersecurity frameworks out there like CIS, NIST, ISO, now recommend or straight up require, if you're inside of a regulated industry such as healthcare, that certain things like full disk encryption are simply put into place no matter your risk profile. And so most of what's inside of the data protection control represents the modern reality of cybersecurity in a large, complex enterprise. You know, Marissa Mayer said, with data collection, sooner is better, but the same goes for data protection. Sooner is better. And, you know, also, as you know, the CIS controls are now a data-driven cybersecurity standard. We operate the MS ISAC and therefore have a, you know, solid firsthand knowledge of all the different types of uh, attacks facing local and state governments. We also work closely with the Verizon DBIR team. Some of those lead analysts used to work here at CIS. And this all basically helps us use data to make sure that we're choosing which safeguards and controls have the most impact and make sure that controls users have the biggest bang for their buck. Our users' data, you know, it's just where the community pushed us to basically push down the data protection control down to spot three. Got it. (laughs) Got it. And, and, you know, here's my poor joke of the podcast. You mentioned data being more valuable than oil. Is that a post-colonial pipeline reference there? (laughs) All right. So let's move on. We're not even going to spend any time on that one. All right. So Josh, high level, can you walk us through what's now called safeguards? Safeguards. Safeguards. It's a little more accessible than subcontrols, I think. Got it. So walk us through the safeguards of data protection for implementation group one, because at least for certainly for MSPs that we're talking to and IT practitioners, but you know, if you're an MSP, we want at least IG one basic cyber hygiene for your organization. Give us a sense of what those are. I can do that for you, Captain Morgan. Here are the six safeguards inside of the data protection control that are IG one, basically establishing a data management process. And this process actually includes many of the other safeguards inside of IG1, making sure you have a data inventory. I know you're probably thinking at this point, there's been you know a couple CIS-oriented podcasts here focusing on various types of inventories, and this is the same here. You don't have to inventory all of your 
data, but you need to make sure that you at least have a solid understanding of what sensitive data your organization holds. Making sure that you're configuring access control lists is the third one. Should that intern really have the permissions to send a test integration email to all of your customers, right? The fourth subcontrol is basically about data retention, basically minimum and maximum timeline, should your emails really be sitting in the cloud for 15 years. And then making sure data is properly disposed of uh, is, you know, information being just sort of recycled back to Best Buy. And then making sure that you're, that you're encrypting, you know, end user devices, phones and laptops, basically, right? You can probably see some of these are more policy oriented, while others are more technical in nature. But yeah, that's what makes it by G1 for data protection. Very cool. I got one last question for you. You know, I know you teach the controls and and I'm just curious in terms of this specific one around data protection, you know, what surprises you the most? Is there any like wows when you're doing classes or you're hearing people struggle, organizations struggle, anything kind of stand out to you? Well, I mean, all of the large control frameworks have a lot to really do in them. And so it's really difficult to prioritize, essentially. That's one of the big things that I often hear is that, you know, there's so much to really do. I have so much to protect. Where do I start? Uh, And that's something that everyone faces. There's no easy answer for that. That's part of the reason why we have implementation group one. I will also say I, I sometimes folks will spend just as much time arguing why they don't have to put control into place, whereas they could be spending that same time, energy, and frankly, their brilliance into figuring out how to integrate that control into their organizations already, you know, sometimes very difficult to work with or just a complex process. Very cool. Thanks for your perspective. And again, it's great to have you with us, Josh. Brian, man, so how do you go about this, man, establishing and maintaining a data management process when you're working and implementing you know, a security program for the first time? Because you do that a lot. Is it chicken and egg? Is it process first and then policy? Walk us through that a little bit, if you would. Yeah, great question, Andrew. And and Josh called you Captain Morgan, and I, I couldn't help but grin there. I, I think that might stick here on this podcast. I like it. But let's keep it real here. Uh, neither the, the policy nor the process usually comes first. It's the data that's already here that came first. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to data management, most MSPs, from my experience anyway, they inherit a gigantic mess of client data. Their clients have amassed tons of data and it's spread out all over the place, right? Cloud, email, mobile devices, thumb drives, NAS devices, copy machines, which we talked about prior to hopping on the call, shared with folks via messaging apps. It's just, it's everywhere. It's all over the place. So MSP clients generally don't have much of a clue what data types they have, where the data is at, or or how they should even handle the data if they knew what they have, what they've inventoried. So first-time InfoSec program implementation really starts by defining a, a few things. Start with a simple, and I say this a lot, right? Simplicity has a beauty all its own. A simple data classification and handling policy. Please, please, please don't overthink this for the first time. Something like per legal requirements will protect paper, right? That's something we don't talk a lot about, but papers included. Paper and digital data by limiting access to authorized users and we'll utilize methods for destroying data or destroying media. So data recovery is not technically possible, 
quite high level, stands the test of time, doesn't have specific technologies or anything in it. So as an MSP, I'd encourage you to sit down with your client and ask them to share the data types that they collect. They won't understand if you, in many of them, if you say data types, but sit down and talk to them. What do they collect, store, transmit? Do they collect names, social security numbers, other PII, or do they collect credit card numbers or protected health? information. So think about in this terms, I I like to think about building a matrix or like a spreadsheet, maybe four different data types, restricted, confidential, internal, and public, and place labels across the top row in your spreadsheet and data elements down the first column. So think easy at first, right? Client, employee, personal data. So social security numbers, driver's license numbers, first and last name, credit card numbers, that's going to be restricted to the most sensitive. Josh said this too, focusing on the most sensitive data first. Don't boil the ocean and try to identify every single data type out there and get all caught up in the minutiae. Focus on that most sensitive data, lump it in with restricted, then apply the right controls to that restricted if that's going to be your label for that kind of data. Who can access it? Make sure it's encrypted at all times and, and so on. So that, that's how I would kind of approach it to get the ball rolling. Gotcha. And you know, you kind of touched on this, you know, people have data all over the place. So Brian, do you look at things differently when it's cloud, SaaS versus on-prem? You even mentioned paper. Or is it all the same? How, how do you approach that? Well, this might not be the most popular answer or the <laughs> quote unquote right answer. But in my world, the data types really dictate how the data is handled. As long as the proper controls can be applied, then the location, to me anyway, of the data really is not important or all that relevant. I will say some platforms make it easier than others to apply and really enforce the controls like encryption. But most cloud platforms, for example, have tools like DLP and sensitivity labeling and the like. Got it. So how might you recommend an MSP approach this? You know, it's one thing if you said, hey, go do patch management OS, there's tools for that, lots of tools for that. And we're going to certainly talk to networks after this about how they approach it. But again, MSPs don't just have one company to look at this data handling, classification, et cetera, but lots of companies. So is this an onboarding? Is this a project? Well, you know, again, I, I know you wanted to do your seventh MSP. So how, how might you... <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> no. But again, mad respect for all the MSPs out there. And your client is going to think that this is just something you do. Often that's the client perception, right? If it plugs in a wall or, or, or it's data, the MSP handles it all. And taking a step back, I'd say at onboarding, you can get a general sense of the data types you'll be dealing with, right? Also, and obviously knowing the industry your client is in helps too, right? For example, manufacturing, you'll concentrate perhaps on CUI, controlled and classified information. Healthcare, you might focus on PHI. Retail would be credit cards and so on. So at least you'll know kind of what you're getting into and awareness of what data types you'll, you'll be dealing with, right? You'll kind of gravitate based on industry and size and focus of your client. But in my opinion, Andrew or slash Captain Morgan, in my opinion, this begins as an assessment really includes, and I mentioned this before, sit down with the different line of business folks and ask a bunch of questions about the data, the what, the who, how, why, all that stuff. Build the policy, like I mentioned before, really high level and start by finding where the data is stored, at least again, focusing on the most sensitive data. 
And from that assessment, there's most likely going to be a remediation project because their data will be everywhere. Mm. There's some tools like we talked about to help discover PII and credit card data and some of that. But you know, across a lot of these tools, it's not a plug and play kind of thing. There's going to be a lot of false positives that come up that are kind of tedious to deal with. And, and a lot of these tools do require some tuning. So I look at this very much as an assessment remediation, especially to get your handle on or to identify what the data types are and kind of where they're at, and then start corralling them and applying the right or proper controls to handle the data. Yeah, really good, good advice. Last question. So Brian, you know, in the last session, the last episode, you mentioned a term data flow diagrams or DFDs, probably a lot of MSPs haven't heard that term before. And I'm really glad you brought it up. So how long, in your opinion, you know, you were, we're talking right now, IG1, by the way, for CIS controls, how long before MSPs are going to need solutions to identify and classify data? And, and again, this is your opinion and, you know, you're seeing regulation and on and on and on, but just love your, your thoughts on this. Yeah, like I said, there's some solutions out there to help identify the data. But again, the false positives are high and they do require some tuning. I can't underestimate this enough. Data flow diagram can sound intimidating, but all it really is is a visual representation of where the data is. So as an MSP, I'd say interview your client, start drawing out the different major line of business applications. And when you follow the bouncing ball of the data, you begin to identify the places to look for the data, at least the obvious places, right? And then from there, you can ask probing questions. Typically, what will happen during that interview is you'll, you'll reveal that the data is, again, exported, emailed, copied, pasted, sent to Dropbox, personal email accounts. It's everywhere. So it's, it is quite revealing. And on data flow diagram, you simply draw those bubbles out and keep asking questions, keep driving down and why, where, how, when, who, keep doing it. And then suddenly you've got a diagram. It doesn't have to be pretty. You don't have to have some expensive drawing tool or something. I mean, start with a sketch and then there's a variety of different tools that can help make it look pretty. One last thing here. Don't get caught in the minutiae. People are polarized when they look at all the data and they go through this gigantic project, right? Sensitive data. Josh said it, and, and and I just want to reiterate it. Focus on the sensitive data. That's the place to start. Draw those out and apply the controls, and then mature it. Get better over time. So that concludes the part one of data protection for the CIS controls. We're going to hear just momentarily from our sponsor, Netrix, Ken Tripp, head of channels. They do a great job in data discovery, data classification. And then following that, we'll move right on into the second part where Ryan Weeks kicks off how to simplify data inventory, things around sensitive data, and how to classify things in a very logical, simple manner. And then we'll get into further depth of the CIS data protection with Wes Spencer and close things out in our post-game segment with Datto. Stay tuned. Hey, thanks for joining us in the post-game segment with our sponsor, Ken Tripp, Director of Channels from Netrix. Ken, thanks for joining us. Great. Yeah. Thanks for having us, Andrew. Quite a great podcast going on today. Well, we appreciate your support. And Ken, you know, today talking about 
control three and CIS around data protection. I thought of you right away and what your organization does for and with MSPs. You know, we really talked about developing processes and technical controls around identifying, classifying, and securely handling, and obviously disposing of data. Maybe walk us through a little bit how you guys work with MSPs, why they come to you. Give us your take on this. Yeah, you bet. And and fortunately, we were kind of well-versed, right? It's amazing how quickly our MSP partners are getting introduced to data privacy models and data flows. It really was something that we saw in our mid to upper market for quite some time. And I think with what you're seeing with CMMC, it all started way back with GDPR. These types of controls and security measures have to be put in place. So, so many of our partners now are coming to us, especially regarding the CIS control three around data protection. And one of the main things that we always tell them up front is it's it's hard to go protect a client if you don't know what you're dealing with. And we kind of look at that in, in three different ways. One would be, what data am I dealing with? Is it sensitive? Is it not? Number two, where does it reside? And that really will help with control 3.8 when it talks about data flows. Where is this data going? That challenge there is, remembering that sensitive data is also functional data, right? So it needs to be in motion. And then number three, and probably most importantly, is controlling the access. Who has access to that sensitive data? So once you go through, what do I have? Where is it? And then who has access to it? You can really start to develop that game plan to institute the controls under CIS. That's excellent. And you know, your solution puts enforcement around that, number one, correct? Right. Correct. So when you're looking at what Netrix does from a data security standpoint, and so many different technologies look at it in different ways, right? You can look at a a DLP versus what we do. But what we're going out and doing is discover classifying that sensitive data, setting up workflows and remediation around it. But then we're also auditing that data. So are there failed access attempts? Is there anything wrong maybe with the configurations that haven't been updated, patched, etc.? to make sure that the repositories are secure as well. So it's really taking a look at data security from a whole, not only with recognition of what is sensitive, but then protecting it through infrastructure controls as well. Really cool. So I can imagine you, A, if an MSP wants, you can certainly feed into their SIM for all, you know, correlation of that information. Correct. Yeah, we go bi-directional integrations with SIMs, and that would go back to 3.14, which is, uh, log sensitive data access, right? And being able to create alerts if something anomalous is happening there. But absolutely. And, and that bi-directional is something that is beneficial for both the SIM as well as metrics, right? Because we correlate those logs to give you a who did what, when, and where, very specific, where that SIM is really going to allow you to dig into the forensics and analyze certain events. Yeah. And I maybe in closing, Ken, a lot of use cases, and then people broaden out, MSPs broaden out once they get it. But hey, my client's got an audit coming. And talk about how much time you guys can truncate when a regulated customer is coming up for their audit. Right. An incredible amount of time, right? Other than having to dig through logs and find a way to present that information to the auditor. But more importantly, I think when you're getting audited, What you're really trying to prove is, hey, I've got good cyber hygiene, and that's something that needs to take place on a continuous basis, right? So when you're looking at the auditing side of Netflix, 
We're doing that continuously. Our partners are able to provide compliance as a service, but especially when you're talking about data, the main thing to remember is it's created, it's modified every single day, right? So it's something that you need to be continuously doing and really to provide the security of what these regulations want. It is something that you need to be doing for your clients in an automated everyday fashion. Excellent. Let's wrap it up there, Ken. I'm really, really excited for MSPs to take a look at what you guys do. How can they find you, by the way? They can find us at netrix.com or you can simply email me, very simple, ken.trip with two Ps at netrix.com. We'd be happy to have a conversation and see if there's a synergy of some way we can help out our uh, MSP uh, counterparts in the community. Great. We'll put it in the show notes. Ken, have an awesome day. All right. Take care. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cybercast. Please leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform so we can continue helping your MSP, IT and security practice thrive. Please email andrew at thecybernation.com for suggestions on topics of interest and join us on our CyberNation app and on our weekly CyberCall. Details on both can be found in our show notes.